Section 18 of The Naval Officer, or Scenes in the Life and Adventures of Frank Mildmay. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. The Naval Officer, or Scenes in the Life and Adventures of Frank Mildmay by Captain Frederick Marriott chapter fifteen part one examine him closely good men dry spare him not ask him impossible questions let us thwart him let us thwart him beaumont and fletcher soon after my arrival at plymouth notice was given by a general order issued from the flagship that a passing day for the examination of midshipmen as touching their qualifications for the rank of lieutenant would be held on board the salvador del mundo in hamoes i lost no time in acquainting my father with this and telling him that i felt quite prepared and meant to offer myself accordingly on the day appointed your humble servant with some fourteen or fifteen other youthful aspirants assembled on board the flagship each was dressed out in our number one suits in most exact and unquizzable uniform with a large bundle of log-books under our arms we were all huddled together in a small screened canvas cabin like so many sheep ready for slaughter about eleven o'clock the captains who were to be our minos and our radamanthus made their appearance and we all agreed that we did not much like the cut of their jibs at twelve o'clock the first name was called the desperate youth tried to pluck up a little courage he cleared his throat pulled up his shirt collar touched his neck handkerchief and seizing his cocked hat and journals boldly followed the messenger into the captain's cabin where three grave-looking gentlemen in undress uniform awaited him they were seated at a round table a clerk was at the elbow of the president moore's navigation that wise redoubtable lay before them together with a nautical almanac a slate and pencil ink and paper the trembling middy advanced to the table and having most respectfully deposited his journals and certificates of sobriety and good conduct was desired to sit down the first questions were merely theoretical and although in the gun-room or in any other company he would have acquitted himself with ease he was so abashed and confounded that he lost his head entirely trembled at the first question stared at the second and having no answer to make to the third was dismissed with directions to go to sea six months longer he returned to us with a most woebegone countenance i never saw a poor creature in greater mental torment i felt for him the more as i knew not how soon his case might be my own another was called and soon returned with no better success and the description he gave of the bullying conduct of the youngest passing captain was such as to damp the spirits and enough to stultify minds so inexperienced as ours and where so much depended on our success this hint was however of great use to me theory i found was the rock on which they had split and in this part of my profession i knew my powers and was resolved not to be bowled out by the young captain 
but while i thus resolved a third candidate was returned to us ray infector and this was a young man on whose talents i could have relied i began to doubt myself when the fourth came out with a smiling face and told us he had passed i took a little breath but even this comfort was snatched from me in a moment by his saying that one of the passing captains was a friend of his father here then was solved an enigma for this fellow during the short time i was in his company gave proof of being no better than a simpleton on my own name being called i felt a flutter about the heart which i did not feel in action or in the hurricane or when in a case more desperate than either i jumped overboard at spithead to swim to my dear eugenia powers of impudence as well as algebra said i lend me your aid or i am undone in a moment the cabin door flew open the sentinel closed it after me and i found myself in the presence of this most awful triumvirate i felt very like daniel in the lion's den i was desired to take a chair and a short discussion ensued between the judges which i neither heard nor wished to hear but while it lasted i had time to survey my antagonists from head to foot i encouraged myself to think that i was equal to one of them and if i could only neutralize him i thought i should very easily floor the other two one of these officers had a face like a painted pumpkin and his hand as it lay on the table looked more like the fin of a turtle the nails were bitten so close off that the very remains of them seemed to have retreated into the flesh for fear of farther depredation which the other hand was at the moment suffering thinks i to myself if ever i saw lodgings to let unfurnished it is in that coconut or pumpkin or gourd of yours the next captain to him was a little thin dark dried-up shrivelled fellow with keen eyes and a sharp nose the midshipman called him old chili vinegar or old hot and sour he was what we term a martinet he would keep a man two months on his blacklist giving him a breech of a gun to polish and keep bright never allowing him time to mend his clothes or keep himself clean while he was cleaning that which for all the purposes of war had better have been black he seldom flogged a man but he tormented him into sullen discontent by what he called keeping the devil out of his mind this little nightmare who looked like a dried eel-skin i soon found was the leader of the band the third captain was a tall well-looking pompous man he was the junior officer of the three with a commanding and most unbending countenance he would not ope his mouth in way of smile though nestor swore the jest was laughable i had just time to finish my survey and form a rough estimate of the qualities of my examiners when i was put upon my trial by the president who thus addressed me you are perfect in the theory of navigation i presume sir or you would not come here i replied that i hoped i should be found so if they would please to try me ready enough with his answer said the tall captain i dare say this fellow is jawmaster general in the cockpit who did you serve your time with sir i stated the different captains i had served with particularly lord edward oh ay that's enough you must be a smart fellow if you have served with lord edward i understood the envious and sarcastic manner in which this was uttered 
and prepared accordingly for an arduous campaign quite sure that this man who was no seaman would have been too happy in turning back one of lord edward's midshipmen several problems were given to me which i readily solved and returned to them they examined my logs and certificates with much seeming scrutiny and then ventured a question in the higher branches of mathematics this i also solved but i found talent was not exactly what they wanted the little skinny captain seemed rather disappointed that he could not find fault with me a difficult problem in spherical trigonometry lay before them carefully drawn out and the result distinctly marked at the bottom but this i was not of course permitted to see i soon answered the question they compared my work with that which had been prepared for them and as they did not exactly agree i was told that i was wrong i was not disconcerted and very deliberately looked over my work i told them i could not discover any error and was able to prove it by inspection by cannon by gunter or by figure you think yourself a very clever fellow i dare say said the little fat captain a second euclid said the tall captain pray sir do you know the meaning of pons asinorum bridge of asses sir said i staring him full in the face with a smile under the skin now it was very clear to me that the little fat captain had never heard of the asses bridge before and therefore supposed i was quizzing the tall captain who from having been what we used to term a harbour duty man all his life had heard of the pons asinorum but did not know which of the problems of euclid it was nor how it was applicable to navigation the fat captain therefore burst into a hoarse laugh saying i think he hits you hard you had better let him alone he will puzzle you presently nettled at this observation of his brother officer the tall captain was put upon his mettle and insisted that the question last proposed was not satisfactorily answered and swore by god that he never would sign my certificate until i did it i persisted the two works were compared i was threatened to be turned back when lo to the dismay of the party the error was found in their own work the fat captain who was a well-meaning man laughed heartily the other two looked very silly and very angry enough of this sir said the martinet now stand up and let us see what you can do with a ship a ship was supposed to be on the stocks she was launched i was appointed to her and as first lieutenant ordered to prepare her for sea i took her into dock and saw her coppered took her along the sheer hulk mastered her laid her to the ballast wharf took in and stowed her iron ballast and her tanks moved off to a hulk or receiving ship rigged her completely bent her sails took in guns stores and provisions reported her ready for sea and made the signal for a pilot took her out of harbour and was desired to conduct her into other harbours pointing out the shoals and dangers of portsmouth plymouth falmouth the downs yarmouth roads and even to shetland but the little martinet and the tall captain had not forgiven me for being right in the problem and my examination continued they put my ship into every possible situation which the numerous casualties of a sea life present in such endless variety 
i set and took in every sail from the skysail to trysail i had my masts shot away and i rigged jury masts i made sail on them and was getting fairly into port when the little martinet very cruelly threw my ship on her beam ends on a dead lee shore a dark night and blowing a hurricane and told me to get her out of that scrape if i could i replied that if there was anchorage i should anchor and take my chance but if there was no anchorage neither he nor any one else could save the ship without a change of wind or the special interference of providence this did not satisfy old chilly vinegar i saw that i was persecuted and that the end would be fatal to my hopes i therefore became indifferent was fatigued with the endless questions put to me and very fortunately for me made a mistake at least in the opinion of the tall captain the question at that time was one which was much controverted in the service namely whether on being taken flat aback you should put your helm a turn or two a lee or keep it amidship i preferred the latter mode but the tall captain insisted on the former and gave his reasons finding myself on debatable ground i gave way and thanked him for his advice which i said i should certainly follow whenever the case occurred to me not that i felt convinced then and have since found that he was wrong still my apparent tractability pleased his self-love and he became my advocate he grinned horribly a ghastly smile and turning to the other captains asked if they were satisfied this question like the blow of the auctioneer's hammer ends all discussion for captains on these occasions never gainsay each other i was told that my passing certificate would be signed i made my best bow and my exit reflecting as i returned to the sheep pen that i had nearly lost my promotion by wounding their vanity and had regained my ground by flattering it thus the world goes on and from my earliest days my mind was strengthened and confirmed in every vice by the pernicious example of my superiors i might have passed much more easily abroad i remember one fine day at sea in the west indies a boat was lowered down and sent with a young midshipman whose time was not fairly served and whose age and appearance indicated anything but nautical knowledge to a ship then in company in a quarter of an hour he returned with his passing certificate we were all astonished and inquired what questions were put to him he said none at all except as to the health of my father and mother and whether i would have port or white wine and water on coming away the brat added one of the captains desired i would when i wrote home give his best respects to lord and lady g he had ordered a turkey to be picked and put in the boat for me and wished me success this boy was soon afterwards made a post-captain but fortunately for the service died on his passage to england there was certainly some difference between this examination and mine but when it was over i rejoiced at the severity of my ordeal my pride my darling pride was tickled at the triumph of my talents and as i wiped away the perspiration from my forehead i related my difficulties my trials and my success with a degree of self-complacency that in any other person i should have called egregious vanity one good effect resulted from my long examination which continued an hour and a half 
this was that the captains passed all the other midshipmen with very few questions they were tired of their employment and thus it was only the poor unlucky devils that took off the fiery edge of their morning zeal who suffered and among the plucked it was known there were much cleverer fellows than many of those who had come off with flying colours there was one circumstance which amused me when the captains came on deck the little chilly vinegar called me to him and inquired whether i was any relation of mr i replied that he was my uncle bless my soul sir why he is my most intimate friend why did you not tell me you were his nephew i answered with an affected humility very nearly allied to impertinence that i could not see by his face that he knew my uncle nor indeed had i known it should i have thought it delicate to have mentioned it at such a time as it might not only have implied a want of confidence in my own abilities but also a suspicion that he might by such a communication have been induced to deviate from the rigid path of his duty and might therefore have received it as a personal affront all that is very fine and very true said the veteran but when you have an older head upon your shoulders and have seen a little more of our service you will learn to trust at least as much to friends as to merit and rely on it that if you could make yourself out cousin german to the old tom-cat at the admiralty you would fare all the better for it however it's all over now and there's an end of it but make my compliments to your uncle and tell him that you passed your examination in a manner highly creditable to you so saying he touched his hat to the sergeant's guard and slipped down the side into his gig as he descended i said to myself damn your monkey face you coffee-coloured little rascal no thanks to you if i have passed i suppose your father was breeches mender to the first lord's butler or else you shared your mother's milk with a lord in waiting and that's the way you got the command of the blank elated with the result of the day i threw myself into the mail that evening and reached my father's house in a short time after my reception was kind and affectionate but death had made sad havoc in my family during my late absence my elder brother and two sisters had been successively called to join my poor mother in heaven and all that remained now to comfort my father was a younger sister and myself i must confess that my father received me with great emotion his own heavy afflictions from the loss of his children and the dangers i had undergone as well as the authentic assurances he had received of my good conduct were more than sufficient to bury all my errors in oblivion and he appeared and i have no doubt really was fonder and prouder of me than ever as to what my own feelings were on this occasion i shall not attempt to disguise them sorry i certainly was for the death of my nearest relatives but when the intelligence reached me i was in the midst of the most active service death in all its forms had become familiar to me and so little impression did the event make on my mind that i did not interrupt the thread of my history to speak of it when it occurred i take shame to myself for not feeling more but i am quite sure from this one instance in my life that the feelings are blunted in proportion to the increase of misery around us that the parent who in a moment of peace and domestic tranquillity would be agonized at the loss of one child would view the death of ten with comparative indifference when surrounded by war pestilence or famine End of chapter fifteen part one